0: on uh, sharing the subject I'm sharing today. In fact, I had talked with with some, some of the guys in the back before first service, and uh, I said it's kind of like, you know, on a Sunday morning, you have people who know nothing about the things, you know, even some of the basic things of, of God. And we have people who are kind of theologians, you know. You have this whole gamut. And when you're trying to teach, you want to bring along the people who are new and so that nobody goes away without something that they can really grasp and hold on to and as you're teaching God's Word. And the challenge today is I, I want you. This is what we're going to do today. I'm going to explain the book of Revelation, yeah, yeah. How long is that going to take? <laughs> no, we're not going to take two days. Um, we will we'll, we'll get done hopefully in, in in the normal amount of time. But um, I'm I want to help you. How many of you have read the book of Revelation? Okay, okay. Most of us here. I, I encourage you if you haven't read the book of Revelation or if you haven't read it in a while. Hey, open it up. You can take care of it in the morning and uh, and get through it. It's it's a great book. And if you're new at it and you're reading it for the first time, and, uh, even if you've been reading it the 10th time or 20th time, you're probably going to go, I don't know what it's saying. And, and that's common. In fact, over the years, what I have discovered, <laughs> I've listened to, I've read I have I have almost a library itself of biblical revelation. I have many many books on the subject. I've read many books. I've been to, you know, to seminary libraries and just tried to devour it. I've listened to so many messages. I've heard people say this. We're going to teach the book of Revelation, and I know some of you have a hard time understanding it, but when I'm done, you're going to understand it. And so I listen, and when I'm halfway through, I'm going, they don't even understand it. (laughs) You know, it's pretty obvious. (laughs) They're kind of mixed up. And and I really wondered why that was. And I think um, what I share with you, first of all, isn't personal revelation. It's always good to know that. There are sometimes though, God does give us insight to something that um, might not have been expressed before very clearly, um, but the revelation of it isn't really new. I for for instance, one of the things that, you know, my view on end times prophecy, one of the things is that the the view I hold, the way it it meets out, has been the historical view. I'm not teaching something that is like, Rick got this great new insight, had this angel come to him and tell him how this is all in, coming together. Thankfully, that's not the way it happened. So what I am teaching actually is pretty foundational in understanding, not as popular today, especially in Orange County and some places in in the, the body of Christ, but it's not it's not that it's new. But what I am sharing you, the way I'm sharing it with you, I've never seen before. So, um, and that is, and, uh, and actually before I go there, I want to say this. Why why are we doing the, the book of Revelation, end times? We've, why are we doing that? Um, I'm reminded of of George Mueller. He's a great evangelist, the starter starter of the Brethren movement. 150 years ago, George Mueller said, someday the Jewish people are going to be back in their homeland. 150 years ago. How did he know? He read the Bible. He read the Bible. He had studied the Bible, and the Bible actually tells us that. Bible says that that would happen, that would be the view. We know that there's going to be a temple built and all these other things are coming. The Bible has told us, but many years, for centuries, people spiritualized that because it wasn't seen, and they just basically didn't take the Bible literally for what it was saying. What we're looking at in the book of Revelation is that there's two ways basically to view the book, well, there's more than that. But there's two ways that those who take what is literal in the book of Revelation, literally, and what is figuratively obvious, figuratively obvious, which is the right way to view the book of Revelation or any prophetic book. And we know that because we can look at other prophetic books that have had partial fulfillment or full fulfillment, and we can see how that they unfold we, as we read them. We see figurative language. We see um, obviously very clear um, language that you know, has been given clearly and, and, uh, to us. And we can look at that and know that that is not figurative, but it's literal, what it's saying. And you can see how it's translated and you see the outcome. You see the fulfillment of prophecy. We do that to all Bibli- uh, prophetic books and we come up with the same conclusion. Now, of those who believe that way, there are two ways we look at the book of Revelation. And it has to do with the timing of it. And if you've read the book of Revelation, you know this, that the center of the book of Revelation, the core of it, has to do with three groups of plagues or, or, or judgments, we call them. Three groups of seven. There, there's the seal judgments. Everybody say seal. There's the seal judgments. There's the trumpet judgments. Everybody say trumpet. Thank you for playing along. And there is the bowl judgments. Everybody say bowl. All three. Seal, trumpet, bowl judgments. It's in the center of the book. You see it. And these judgments that are given, um, well, they tell us all this happening and Those, you know, there's a time frame in that. Now, some, one one way to to view it is that these are all sequential. So you have the first seven judgments and the seal judgments, and then you have seven trumpet judgments, and then you have seven bowl judgments. So you have 21 kind of judgments through there. And in between those judgments, there are other things taking place in the book of Revelation telling us about things that are happening in the earth, things that are happening in Israel, things that are happening in the, uh, the, the Antichrist kingdom, all those kinds of things are shared. But these are the three, and they're seen sequential. I, I, I was taught that, and as I would study it, it just didn't, it never fit. It was like all these guys, so I'm going to make it clear to you, and then go, they go down this and they do the sequential thing, and you go, that doesn't work. It doesn't fit. And and I'm going to show you not only why that doesn't fit, but I'm also going to show you why that these judgments, in, in most cases, are actually the same judgments seen from a different angle, which is the way prophetic books are written. They're written that way, not just prophetic books. I mean, the Gospels, for instance, are written about Jesus. And some, like, you'll have in Matthew things that you won't have in Mark. You'll have things in Mark that won't be in Matthew. You'll you'll see si- same events, and there'll be a different angle that it's it's showing you, not a contradiction, but it's just a different angle, an added insight. You know, for instance, like the the healing of blind Bartimaeus. It's a great story. Jesus heals this man who is blind and cries out and won't quit, and he just presses in and you know, and God heals them. Blind Bartimaeus. Well, in one of the Gospels, it just talks about blind Bartimaeus. In another Gospel, it says two men came crying, and blind Bartimaeus was one of them. So, one of the Gospel writers is making known that there were two people, and the other one just focuses on Bartimaeus, maybe because Bartimaeus became an integral part of the church, and he did. And so he's kind of remembered more. And as he gives the story, he, d- he leaves out the second person. Not a contradiction, just an addition that gives us a, a fuller picture. That's what Bible prophecy does. And I'm what I'm trying to tell you is, ahead of time, so you kind of know where we're going, I want to show you that these seal judgments and trumpet judgments, some of them are actually overlapped, especially the last two. The trumpet judgments... And, and the bold judgments overlap, and I'm telling you, they're the same judgments. What that does is it clarifies things, because otherwise you have Jesus coming three different times in the book of Revelation, actually more than that, but three different times, uh, one for each set, and you have him come, and it, it, doesn't, it isn't the case. It doesn't work that way. Now, I'll, now let's take a look at it. And... and uh, and first of all, I'm gonna, uh, I wanna see a uh, chart number one and I got a new pointer, so I, that's why I wanted this. I wanna make sure I can play, I can, there it is. I got a green one now, that's bright, that's nice. Except for it needs a, it no. if I shake it, it works, that'll help. Um, so what we have here is the the, the Obviously, the tribulation period. This is a a chart I showed last week. We have the tribulation period. It's a seven-year tribulation period, and um, it's referred to as a tribulation period. Um, I got to go back to my old one. Here we go. I have backup, but it's not as good. You can't hardly see that thing. But um, okay, here we go with the the start of this um, is. You know, the, you see the, the beginning here. Now, I said there's three. There's the seal judgments, there's the trumpet judgments, and the bowl judgments. Right up here, all the way over here, <laughs> is, the, is, is the resurrection of Jesus, right? He died on the cross, resurrection of Jesus. And before he, he even rose from the dead, he taught something in uh, Matthew and Luke and Mark um, even some in John about the end times, and he gives us a, 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 an account. Uh, uh, we, we call it the the labor judgments, or the time of the time of of, of, uh, of labor pains, or the season. And and then then you have, and then you have the seal judgments. Now, what I'm going to suggest to you is that the sealed judgments in the book of Revelation isn't in, totally in, the seven-year period of the tribulation. I I can prove this to you. That when we read the book of Revelation, we come to the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation where the Bible says John is caught up, and we think, well, that's the start. I said the fourth chapter of, of Revelation, that's the start of the tribulation period. And... I'm suggesting to you that it isn't actually the start of the tribulation period. It, it goes into the tribulation period in the sixth chapter, but it actually is not starting there. First three chapters we know is about the churches that, that are there, but the fourth chapter as he goes up, oftentimes they will say, well, that's now it's a seven-year period, and it's not. And I'm going to show you that. Actually, it's a time of the labor pains that Jesus talked about. And... What we're gonna see is that there is is a correlation between the seal judgments and the labor judgments that Jesus talks about. And then we're gonna see this this correlation between the trumpet judgments and the the bowl judgments. And some of you are already confused, but relax. (laughs) Yes, relax. I, I tell people, listen, when you're talking about prophecy sometimes, you can get lost, but if the teacher can bring you back, can bring you right back, but it, as long as you don't quit. Like, you know you go, I don't get this, and you shut down. No, just hang in there. I can't give it all to you at once, I'm just, but we'll get there, alright? Everybody say, hey, turn to your neighbors. He'll, he'll get there. He'll, he'll get there. Maybe not, but he's going to give it a shot anyhow. Now, I'm going to what I want to do is I want to take you to um, the chart number two. And by the way, these are online. If you go to CC Anaheim, you could actually look at these charts. You can find them. Thank you. Um, chart number two. Um, I want to take a look at... I want you to see here these. these are what we call labor pains uh, that Jesus talked. On, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus gave a teaching. I'll explain this. And he said these things. Look at this. Take heed that no one deceive you, for many will come, come in my name, saying, I am Christ, I will de- and, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but the end is not yet. See that? The end is not yet. So, these things are coming, but it's not the end. So you're going to have all these things happen. See, what we talked about this last week. Jesus was giving them an anticipation of a distant future. There's things that are going to happen way before that. And he says, in fact, he can't even come until the, all the earth has heard, all the nations have heard the gospel. He says, and the nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there'll be famines and pestilence. And he says, they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then, and then there's earthquakes in various places, and all these things are the beginning of sorrows. And he says, immediately after this, we'll come back to this, but this keeps. This is kind of a core. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then he gets to the final point, the sign, and the, the, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So what you, you see that immediately after the tribulation, there's something going to happen, there's going to be this cosmic event, we call it, you know, sun's darkened, moon, stars fall from heaven, all of that, and, uh, And the powers of heaven are going to be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man is coming and the power of great glory. Now, Jesus gives that, right, about to come. And he, he, he takes it. He says, it's not now. The end is not yet. So all these things are happening. But he takes us all the way to the end, right? So no one would think that Jesus is saying that these things are going to happen inside the seven-year period. These are things that are going to happen age-long. And he says that, you know, these are the beginning of sorrows. See that phrase right there? It's, uh, these are the beginning of sorrows. That word sorrows is also translated, in some, some translations, as these are the beginning of labor pains. That's where we get that. That that these these are like labor pains. Well, what happens in labor pains? That they start off infrequent, and they start off with not, much, not that much intensity. But as you get closer, intensity increases and frequency increases. So these wars and famines and all these things, we would anticipate the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, there's going to be greater intensity. And we've had that. We had more people die in war in the last century than in all of history. Two world wars. Tremendous, you know, carnage and, and pain and sorrows. And 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 also the same is true about pestilence. And, and with the increase of, of population, of course, more damage and all of that comes. So what... <laughs> He, what Jesus is telling us is that from him, from, the, from his time, all the way through, these labor pains are going. But then he takes us all the way to the end. This isn't, all those things are going to be repeated, but, but this, immediately after the tribulation of those times, where is he now? He's all the way to the end. That's not repeated. The end isn't repeated you know, over and over again. It's just end so we have these things so what so what you would say is in the labor judgments jesus is saying it's age long all the way to the end you get that you see that that's what he's doing so when you open up the book of revelation you start reading about the sealed judgments what you see is this correlation you see these are the same thing now the, the first thing that happens is there's a white horse, this is the first seals open, and there's a white horse uh, with a rider on it, and he goes out to conquer, and he's bent on conquest. He's, he, that, that's what he's going to do. Now, there's two ways people look at this. Um, I used to look at this because he's on a white horse. The Bible says Jesus comes back on a white horse. This is Jesus, but it's not Jesus. It's the antichrist. It's the one who is pretending to have, you know, kind of there's there's some kind of attempt to be the the, the Christ of the day. He is going, but G, but remember, John said this. He said uh, in his day, he says there are many, there are many. The spirit of antichrist is already at work. That's what John said. The spirit of antichrist is already at work, and so what. And if you look at the other riders on the horses in the, the seal judgments, you'll see the red horse, the black horse, the pale horse They're all about destruction. So why would the white horse be the coming of the Lord? First of all, the timing would be bad. He's not coming then. So what I am saying is that the white horse in this case is actually the spirit of the Antichrist. I'm not saying it's the Antichrist. It's the spirit of the Antichrist because all of these judgments are also age-long. Wars, famines, you know, death, martyrs, all of those are the same. Now what I want you to see is I want you to see that if you look over here, Jesus talked about and on the sermon, uh, uh, you know, on the uh, uh, on, On Mount of Olives, he talked about that many will come in my name and and say, I am Christ, and will deceive many. This is what the white horse is. It's the Antichrist conquering, bent on conquest. The spirit of the Antichrist is there. Isn't it interesting? The next thing Jesus talks about is wars and rumors of wars. What is the next seal? It's the red horse with wars went out. It says that it was granted to, to one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. So the spirit of, you know, th- this is what's going on. Famines and pestilence, that's the next thing Jesus said. He said, nation's going to rise against nations, and there's going to be famines and pestilence. What is the black horse? Famines and pestilence. Isn't it, isn't it interesting that the same things that Jesus gave the list of things that would happen age long are the same things that the seal judgments are giving us? Then there's... There's martyrs. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations. So we're looking at martyrs being killed. What is the fifth uh, uh, seal? The souls of martyrs waiting for redemption of their bodies and their souls of you. So you have a heavenly view and an earthly view. view. Earthly view is they're being killed. Heavenly view is those martyrs in heaven. You see this connection. Earthquake and cosmic event. Earthquake, cosmic event. Now, here, just like Jesus, he took us white right from this age-long thing all the way into the end times, the, the final days. I believe this sixth seal is taking us into the final days. It says, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell from the earth as fig trees dropped It's late figs when it's shaken in the wind. Notice over here, immediately after the tribulation, the sun is going to be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. We have John in the book of Revelation telling us what Jesus said would happen right before his coming, at the end of the tribulation. Now we have the same thing. So the timing of this is that the sealed judgments are Coming, t- the timing is coming to the very end. I want you to see this, and if you can catch this, see the, uh, a, a great earthquake? Everybody say great earthquake. Thank you. I, I know I'm, I'm bugging some of you because I'm asking you to say that. But I, wanna, I want this to penetrate because as we're moving along, this great earthquake keeps coming up. In fact, you'll be able to tell where you are in the sequence of things by aligning with the great earthquake in the Bible. This great earthquake comes, it comes at the time of the coming of the Lord. So, this is, we're, we're in the sixth chapter of the book of Revelation, and Jesus is coming. Say, so wait a minute, it's too soon. See, if it's sequential. What is Jesus coming right there? And then the, the last one, the sign, the sign of His coming, there's silence in heaven. So heaven is there's is a heavenly view of what's going on. They're looking in a gasp as Jesus is coming, right? And and this this is the cosmic event before His coming. So this is the we have the the time of Jesus coming. Well, this this part right here is the eighth chapter, verse one, and. You know that guy that was writing out the chapters and verses. You know he was on a horse and he missed a few, and so this actually should have been the, at the end of the seventh chapter, and you have this events that t- happen in between. But what you see is the coming of the Lord. So if Jesus comes at the sixth or eighth chapter or seventh chapter, whatever it is, then what's after it? If He's already come now then everything after that, if you have it sequentially going, everything after that is after the coming of the Lord. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't work at all. Unless it's not that way. Unless it's not sequential. Okay? Give me uh, the next chart. Now in the book of Revelation you have the sealed judgments and they I've just shown you that they end at the coming of the Lord. Then you have the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments. And what I want you to see as a whole is the plagues of Egypt. Now, what's interesting about the plagues of Egypt is in the book of Revelation, there is a, a correlation. What you see in the plagues of Egypt as God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt is a similar thing that's happening in the book of Revelation in a larger scale. And many of the same plagues, the water, tur- the Nile turned into blood, the, f- the frogs, which is the spirit of frogs the Bible talks about, um, you see coming. There's pestilence of livestock. That is also true. And boils on men. There's hay. There's, there's, uh, uh, you know, um, darkness for three days. We see those same things that happen during the tribulation period. Now, they're not in the sequence of the plagues of Egypt. That's something separate. This is not, you know, overlaid. Plagues of Egypt happened. But isn't it interesting how God delivered them, and he used these same kind of plagues at the end during the tribulation that he's going to use. See, he's using the same thing. I think there's some other um, similar things. When In the plagues of Egypt, God protected the children of Israel from the plagues. The plagues happened on the Egyptians, not on the Jews. You understand? God protected them. Well, you say, well, they had a special place. It was easy. God you know, God just, you know, if he had darkness, like it says darkness, it, only la- it was only on Egy- the Egyptian. It wasn't on the Jews. That's easy. How do you get it so dark you can't see? We're talking outside now. And yet it's light in Goshen. That doesn't work. That's a miracle. All I'm saying is God did a miracle over and over and over again. What you're going to find in these two judgments, I'm kind of giving you a a heads up on it, is that these two sets of judgments are also on the Antichrist kingdom. That in fact, in quite a few of these cases, it says clearly this is for those who don't have the mark of God. These are those who have taken the mark of the beast. This is gonna happen on the kingdom of the Antichrist or the the kingdom of darkness. So it's very clear. And when it doesn't say it, it, there's inference to it that what's actually happening is these judgments are in fact judgments not on the whole world. They're on the Antichrist kingdom and that the people of God are protected during them. And I'm gonna show you that. But before we do that, I want to show you how these connect together. Um, the, the trumpet judgments um, t- talks about um, hail of fire burn, burn, uh, mingled with blood and they were thrown to the earth and third, the trees were burned up and all green grass were burned up. Um, and you see that there are some things, for instance, that are added in the trumpet judgments that you don't find in the bowl, in the bowl judgments. But what you do see, is you see things overlap. You'll see the same things happen. For instance, look at, it says the sea became blood and the sea became blood. The river, uh, the river of the, the a third of the rivers are turned to, um, it's called wormwood, it's a, they're, they're bitter waters. And the, this one says the rivers and springs are turned to blood, which uh, it is a repeat by the way, we see here where God turned the rivers into blood—a similar kind of thing. He he um, he poured out his bowl, a bowl on the sun, and the powers was given to him to scorch men for with fire, and and they were scorched with fire. So there's a the the sun, uh, st- you know, st- strikes people, and then it says a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars. And, then, and there's darkness. And look at right here, he says there's, it was full of darkness, and they nod in their tongues at, with pain. We see here that they blasphemed God. Now, that's not Christians that are doing that. These are non-believers. They blasphemed God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. Here, the fifth... Trumpet says the scorpions on the earth have power and they they were commanded not to harm the grass or the earth or any green things uh, or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God in their foreheads. Who are the people who have the seal of God? Well, we have the seal of the Holy Spirit. The seal of God is on on believers. So the protection is there. And there's gonna be, this has to do with, you know, there, there's there, there's a picture of um, of of, of um, pain or suffering coming from some kind of plague that causes people to have um, suffer for five months, and the scripture says they 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 wanted to die. Have you ever been so sick that you go, Lord, just take me home? You know, I want out of this. Uh, well, th- this is five months and they can't even commit suicide. For whatever it is, the pain is there and they want to die. And who does it hit? Those who do not have the, the, the mark of God. How does God do that? I don't know. I don't know. That, the, the, the point is he's done it in the past and he can do it in the future. And what I am saying to you is that this is a judgment on the Antichrist kingdom. And there's a purpose. God is, in fact, judging them. And and there's pain and suffering in the Antichrist kingdom. And God is protecting the Christians. We know, according to the 12th chapter of the book of Revelation, that God has a hiding place for the Jews. He actually takes them out for those who listen to him. Because God jesus had told them, listen, we see it all surrounded, Jerusalem surrounded, get out of there. And they will go to the they will go to a hiding place. Well, God will protect them. That's what this is all about. The end times is about the kingdom of darkness getting it. People can escape it. God's given us direction on what to do. And those who are and 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 that the that this, the majority of this is local. I, I believe that. The, the bowl judgments show a local element, and the trumpet judgments show more of a worldwide element, how it expands but there's, this, there's the same thing going on now it it, it tells here the bull. Look at uh, the sixth bowl, the bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. So there, there's, a, there's a spiritual uh, dimension coming out of where? Well, a specific place, the Euphrates. It's not coming down the Mississippi. That, that's significant um, because I believe there's a local element of it. Over here in the sixth, we see this in the in the trumpet, the sixth trumpet. Release four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. By these three plagues, the third of mankind is killed by the fire and smoke and brimstone which came out of their mouth. Now, did, was there, these spirits released out of the Euphrates one time, and then later on released out at this, another time, or is this the same event looking from a different angle, getting different, uh, just a little bit of more information in it? That's that is consistent with prof- prophetic books. That is consistent. Now, what I want you to see here is this: Look at the the seventh bowl judgment. He says, it is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great, what? Earthquake such as my, that a great earthquake had not occurred since men were on earth. So, here's a great earthquake. And what is a great earthquake and these thunders and lightnings and so forth related to? We've already seen it. The coming of the Lord. Take a look at here. And it says in verse 19 here uh, on on the sixth judgment, it says, For for their power is in their mouth and their tails, and their tails are like the serpent having heads with them, and they they do harm. And the seventh trumpet says, But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished. The mystery of God would be finished. What is that? Well, the mystery of God is the coming, the time of the coming of the Lord. Let me, let me take you just a couple more scriptures and kind of seal the deal. All right? Um, I, want you, I want you to look at, we're going to look at the Olivet Discourse, and I, we're going to go down and we're going to look at each one of these, what, the culmination, the end of it, and see if they all fit together. Matthew twenty four twenty nine. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, cosmic event, right? The stars shall fall from heaven, the powers of heaven will, will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds. Now that's what Jesus said of heaven with power and great glory. It's the coming of the Lord. Now let's look at the seal judgment. John, John is talking, and he gives us the seal judgments, and we go to chapter 6, verse 12, and look at the sixth seal. It says, I looked when, it, when, when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a, what? Great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth as hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of the heaven fell from the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by the mighty wind." And the sky receded as a scroll when it was rolled away, and, and, uh, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place, and the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and the rocks and mountains And did the, the mountains fall on us, uh, Mountains and rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand. What are they doing? They're seeing that Jesus is coming and they're afraid. They're afraid. And then, and then the seventh seal just says there's silence in heaven, the heavenly view. Okay, so we have a great earthquake there. In the end of the sealed judgments, and the coming of the Lord. Now look at the, seven, the bold. The, I'm saying, look at the trumpet judgments in chapter nine, verse sixteen. Of uh, verse nineteen, um, he says, the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of His covenant was seen in His temple, and there was lightning, and noises, and thundering, and what, an earthquake with great hail, So, we're seeing these, this old unfolding of these things that are happening. There's, there's lightnings and thunders and the cosmic event is happening. And all this is taking place and there's a great earthquake. So, this great earthquake that's, that is at the end of the seal judgments is also at the end of the trumpet judgments. Now, let's go to the bull judgments. And then the seventh angel poured out his bowl in the air and a loud voice came out of the temple he- uh, of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. And there were noises and thundering and lightning, same wording, right? And there was a great, what? Earthquake, such a, might, such a mighty and great earthquake as has not occurred. So what I'm showing you is at the end of the sealed judgments, there is this cosmic event and the coming of the Lord and this great earthquake. At the end of the trumpet judgments, there's this cosmic event and, and this great earthquake and the coming of the Lord. And then at the end of the bowl judgments, there's the same thing happening, cosmic event. Are those three times Jesus is coming? Are they one? They're one. So you have to align the, the, the seventh seal, sixth and seventh seal, you have to align them with the seventh bowl, uh, trumpet, And you have to align them with the seventh bowl. You have to align them. It's not sequential. You see? If you're reading the book of Revelation that way, well, it's going to be easier to understand. Because if you're reading it sequential, you go, well, where's Jesus? Well, actually... There's talk of Jesus' um, Jesus's coming is actually at least four times in the book of Revelation. He doesn't come four times. It's the same coming, just revealed differently with more information. 14th chapter of the book of Revelation is definitely the chapter of, the, of, the, of, of Jesus gathering the saints and the coming of the Lord and all of that, and the gathering of the Antichrist kingdom into the valley of uh, Megiddo for the destruction what i'm showing you is that when that and and let me tell you why this is important when you understand that and you align those things together then the timing of the things that happen makes sense and it works you put them sequentially it doesn't work and you it gets you really confused I mean, when is Jesus coming? At the end of the seal judgments, at the end of the trumpet judgments, at the end of the bowl judgments? The answer is yes. That's when Jesus is coming. As you're looking at these things, when a person, when you don't have that, I think, I think to me, it's very basically clear. But it doesn't fit a popular scenario about when Jesus is coming. It doesn't fit. It, it messes it up. And so you have to have this confusion, and then you can kind of put, you know, when the rapture is and when the return is and all of that in some place that fits your, your view, but it doesn't fit an equally clear understanding of the book of Revelation and when Jesus comes. And I know that might bug some of you because I said that, but... I just, you know, we just want to see, and I, I do. I think this is easily and clearly seen. And let me tell you the bigger picture of all of this. The bigger picture is Jesus is coming back, and there's going to be things coming our way. I, I do want you to see. I don't want you. I, I think, in some ways, there has been. I I don't want to minimize what happens. In the time of Jacob's trouble, it's called. That time is a terrible time. It's gr- great tribulation. It is great. There's a lot that goes on. But I also know that some folks have taken it and they've just kind of, they've just blown it up out of, out of, just really out of reality of what's going to happen. And I believe that most of that that's happening is in the world that Jesus was talking to at that time, though that's where it is. It's in the Antichrist kingdom. The Antichrist will have influence around the world, but he will not be the world leader. I know some of you are thinking, you know, there's going to be this world leader, and he's going to rule the world, and we're all going to be subject to it. And uh, and you're waiting for that. I mean, the mark of the beast is coming, and uh, and it is. But but. And there will be effect on our economic system. I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, but what I'm telling you is he is not going to rule the world. Do you understand? He's going to have influence in the world. And right away he's going to have influence over, you know o- well over a billion and a half, two billion people. So that's a, you know we're, we're looking at it easily, I think at that point, what it could be is at least a quarter of the Earth, maybe even a third, of the Earth. Population, Because if he does come as a uniter, if he becomes the Mahdi, if he becomes looked at as the Muslim Christ who's to come, their, their view of their Messiah coming, the Mahdi, well, right away, you've got, you know, over a billion people will be following. And then there'll be follow- others that will join in. So, yeah, he'll have a big influence. Will he control the United States? I don't know about that. Uh, not, not, I don't want to give us a false sense of security, but I also don't want to give any kind of a idea that it's bigger than what the Scripture actually tells us. And this is what I do have confidence in, that whatever comes, and if you know, what happened in Egypt, God protected the people, but, he, but there was persecution. I mean, remember the Jews, uh, they were you know they they were forced to hard labor they already they were already slaves but they were forced into hard labor persecution happened as moses was and god was going to deliver them in the delivery process persecution hypened up i believe that's probably true in the in the last days too i think we have scripture for that that there's going to be heightened persecution where will it come we have lived without it our entire christian lives have been without any kind of real serious persecution. No fear of, you know, of death, martyrdom in our Christian life. And that's not something to be you know, like ashamed of. I'm thankful God has done that. And that's true for much of the church, you know that? I mean, we're always talking about the church that's persecuted. There's, there's Christians persecuted in every generation but there's also been seasons where rare persecution has happened through long periods of time. And much of the persecution that happened with to, toward true Christians happened by what the established church of the day, you know, ge- for generations. So, yeah, seasons of persecution, seasons when that's not true, places of persecutions, places where that's not true. And Jesus talks specifically about the place of the Antichrist. It's a ten-nation confederacy. There's a time when the Antichrist kingdom rises up. There are Christians. You know that there are are millions of Christians in Muslim countries. Millions. We're not talking, you know, a few hundred here and a few hundred. We're talking millions of Christians in Muslim countries. A huge Christian population in... uh, you know that that uh, that is in the the largest Muslim country in in the world. Iran right now is having a revival. The, the the church in Iran is the fastest growing church in the world. The world, it's they're having a move of God. Now it's it's been small, so the numbers aren't huge, but it's growing. I'm telling you. There are Christians all, all, all over the world that we part of are living in the arena and place, and we pray for them. And God, see, the, the, good, the good thing about knowing what's going on and how it's coming down is you can anticipate, right? You can anticipate. And you can work the work. There, there, there's a reason why right now in the Muslim community so many missionaries God has been calling to go there. Why? Get get as many saved. Time is short. Let's see what God. God has a plan. God's doing things. And you and I need to be part of that. And I think, I really believe that the the we are entering into revival time. I really believe that. I believe that we're just we're 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 real close to a move of God that we have not seen in our lifetime. And I believe there is going to be a move of God that we have not seen at all. And the church has not seen since the beginning. We're going back to the beginning, you know? We're going back to kind of the Princess Bride kind of thing. Back to the beginning. But we're going back to the beginning. And that and, uh, and and there is going to be a move of God and I see it ha- already starting to happen. This is what I'm seeing. I've noticed that prayers have been answered quicker than I've seen in a while. I've seen some supernatural things starting to happen. I mean, we've always seen God do stuff, but I'm starting to see it at a different point and level. And I feel like we're just on the crest of it. And, and this is what it means for you and me. Remember when Jesus, we talked about this with the men. We had a great men's breakfast yesterday, by the way. And, but we talked with the men about when Jesus sent out the 70. Because he loves working through other people. Right? He sends out the 70. They come back rejoicing because God did so many things. Listen, he sent them out because that was the best way of reaching the community, be, reaching the world. Jesus wants to reach the world through you and me. And you need... We need to have a. We need to understand who we are in Christ. Those seven that were given the power, they went out. They didn't know what that meant. They didn't know that they had this. And as they started to pray for people, miracles started happening. And they come back going, "Yeah, this is awesome!" Rejoicing, you know. And Jesus says, "Yeah, that's great, but you know, remember the most important thing: your names are written in heaven. You know, you're saved." Um, Point being that I believe that God is empowering us and the only way we're going to see it is if we allow God to use us and we start doing the things that God has asked us to do. I'm gonna ask you a question and this is not to bring guilt on anybody. It isn't that kind of question. It's more of a probing, insight look at yourself see what i want to ask you this question when was the last time you prayed over someone now i'm not saying prayed for someone probably ask that question and everybody in here say well it's been you know i've done it recently i i I pray for people all the time i'm not talking about praying for uh, for someone i'm saying pray over someone because jesus sent them to do that right and to pray for people and over them. Pray over them. You know, where you grab hands and you, let, you know, put a hand on a shoulder and say, let me pray for you. Because this is what we tend to do. Somebody gives a prayer request and we go, yeah, I'll, I'll pray for you. I mean, I'm going to put you on a prayer list. But when's the last time you actually, you know, said, let me pray for you. Well, let's do it now. And you pray over them. Is that significant? I believe so. I remember the very first time I prayed for someone that got healed, miracle. I was at church, I was a young Christian. We used to have we'd have people come down for prayer during service, we do that periodically. But we would have that and this person came up and nobody else was praying for him. And I was sitting there and I had a cold, kind of a fluish thing. And I'm going, you know, that's before COVID, you know, you'd come to you know, you might not have a fever, but you'd come. But, and so, and I was sitting there, and this lady was standing there, and, and I didn't want to pray for her. I certainly didn't have pray- faith. I didn't know what was going on. I go to, but nobody's going, so I felt the Lord nudge me. to Go pray for her. So I go up to her and ask what's, you know, what I could pray for her about. She said, well, the doctor said I'm filled with cancer, and I only have a short time to live. How would you like that one? And I had no faith for my cold, let alone praying for this lady, right? It was like, how do I pray in faith with this one, right? So I prayed a terrible prayer, and I just prayed for it, put my head down, kind of embarrassment. Lord, I pray you'd, you know, do so. I can't remember the prayer, and I don't know the detail of it, but I remember this. I walked away going, nothing's going to happen out of that prayer. And the next week, she came running down the aisle while I was standing there to pray for people and gave me this huge hug. She had gone to the doctor and all the cancer was gone. And I'm thinking, no, yeah, okay, Jesus, thank you for doing that. But when, the point was, I had no confidence at all, none. And that, that, that's a normal thing sometimes. But what if... You don't when you could. And I'm suggesting if God is going to do something, I think we need to be awakened of what God can do in us. Just, and, and, and that doesn't mean you have to go down the street and start praying for everybody down the road, you know? I'm, not t- I'm not suggesting anything more than what is just the compassion of your moment. Somebody shares their story, the compassion of your moment, It's like Jesus. The Bible says Jesus had compassion on them and healed them. The compassion of the moment compels you not just to pray for them, but to pray over them. Just a thought. I just want to see what happens. I want to hear the stories. Well, Father, we thank you. Your word is true. And I thank you that, Lord, we can trust you in all, Lord, that you do. And that, Lord, as we anticipate your soon coming and whatever, even time frame that's in your hands, not ours. But, Lord, we want to live ready lives. We want to live, Lord, with the confidence that, Lord, we know it's coming down the road. And we won't be surprised by it. Because, God, we can trust you'll be with us in all of that. I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, I also pray for anyone who's far from you right now that they'll turn to you. Those who don't know you, those who've fallen away from you will turn to you and say, Jesus, be Lord of my life today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's lift our hearts to the Lord in closing.
1: Would you stand with us? Oh, all the saints and angels, they bowed below. Oh See you Wednesday night.